You're listening to Trinity Fremont's Sermon Podcast, where you can hear God's Word preached each and every week. Our purpose at Trinity is to raise up Christ's followers in our families and in our communities. We pray that as you listen to this week's sermon, you'll be encouraged and equipped to live out your faith in all that you do. Uh, well, this week we're, we're starting a new series called uh, Proclamation, uh, and it's a, it's a series that we're going to be uh, in throughout this season of Epiphany. Uh, and the season of Epiphany, it starts on, on January 6th. Uh, Epiphany is the day that we celebrate when the, the Magi, the wise men, when they came, uh, when they were guided by that star of Bethlehem uh, to, to lead them to see the boy Jesus. And this was a series that we were going to start last week. And then we didn't. So, uh, Greg, thanks for pinch hitting last week. Uh, we appreciate uh, you bringing us God's word. But, uh, but so we're starting that that Epiphany series today. And again, that it's that season between Christmas and Lent. Uh, and so, in Christmas, obviously, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And in in Lent, we're reminded of the the suffering and death of Jesus. Or, and so, between that, again, is this this season of Epiphany. It's called the the, the season of light. Right, as we focus on that light of Jesus that shines in our light, as, as it starts with that light that guided the wise men to, to, to the baby Jesus and, and the light that shines, the light of Jesus that shines in our lives today. And this year, as we're in this season of Epiphany, we're going to be focusing on the, the significance of Jesus' resurrection. And, and we're going to do that mainly by looking at the, the writings of the Apostle Paul and seeing how the resurrection of Jesus plays a role in the Christian life, right? Because the, the salvation that is given to us by the Spirit isn't simply a fire insurance policy, right? It's not a, it's not a get out of hell free card. It's not a, a one-time transaction that, that we keep in our back pocket until the day that we need it. But the salvation given to us by the Holy Spirit uh, through the death and resurrection of Jesus affects how we live each and every day. And so today, as we, as we look at the, the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, we see that the Spirit gives us more than salvation. He gives us the gift of salvation, which in and of itself is enough, but He gives us more than that. The Spirit gives us these gifts, and they're called these spiritual gifts. But as Paul is, is telling the Corinthians about these gifts, as he starts to talk about them in, in true Paul fashion, Paul seems to kind of go off on some random tangent before coming back to the main point. Take a look at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and, and see if they, they obviously fit together or maybe we need to do a little more digging. But he starts this. He starts, again, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. And really, when, again, when, when Paul speaks to brothers, he's talking to all, all of those who are Christians, so brothers and sisters, concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. So, let me tell you about spiritual gifts. But then he moves to verse 2 where it says, You know when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however they were led. Doesn't seem like a spiritual gift conversation, but okay, let's keep going. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So as I'm reading those three verses, I'm, I'm starting to ask myself the question, if, if we're talking about spiritual gifts, what do spiritual gifts have to do with idols? Or what do spiritual gifts have to do with being able to, to speak the words, Jesus is Lord? Especially because if we were to continue reading, and again, that's why I'd love for you to have their Bibles open in front of you. If you go into verse 4, you'll see that the, the, the very next verse and those following 
Paul goes on to explain spiritual gifts, and then a little bit later, he starts to kind of list off different gifts that the Spirit gives. As you're reading through it, just kind of, as you're just reading through it, it could be very easy, like it looks like, or it could look like Paul just kind of forgot that he had talked about verses 2 and 3, and then goes into actually talking about spiritual gifts. So what do spiritual gifts have to do with idols, or being able to say that Jesus is Lord? Well, that's a question that I want you to keep in the back of your mind. We'll come back to that question in a little bit. But, but as Paul continues, after what feels like an aside, he starts to explain to these Corinthians what spiritual gifts are. And, and, and these verses, especially as Paul starts to list off these different spiritual gifts, they've been used in all sorts of ways. Right? How many of you have ever taken a spiritual gifts inventory? Right? How many of you have ever taken one of those tests? Yeah, uh, basically, if you've never taken one of those, what, what it looks like is it's, it's a test with a bunch of questions or an assessment or an inventory with a bunch of questions where it'll say, would you rather do this or this? Or how much do you love doing this type of activity? And so you, you answer all these questions and then you get these results back that tell you your, your top five spiritual gifts. And I think these inventories can be helpful Right? They, they, these can help us get a, a better idea of how the Spirit has been generous with us. They can help us understand ourselves better and, and, and understand better how God has created us. But at the same time, we have to be careful because I've heard people say to me, well, Pastor, evangelism's not one of my spiritual gifts, so I'm not the one to talk to somebody about Jesus. Right? That's somebody else's job that has a, a different spiritual gift than me. Or it can be uh, easy, even in churches, to, to maybe give a, a new member class a spiritual gifts inventory or, or to, to have it as a congregational push and then use those results to kind of put people in boxes as, as a collection of their spiritual gifts or uh, maybe more often as a list of volunteers for when we need someone to do this or to do this or to do this. And so people just become a, a, a volunteer list or they become a collection of their spiritual gifts. So with, with these sorts of things, like a lot of other things, we have to be careful in how we use them, if we're going to use them. Because not only can these spiritual gifts put individuals in a box, but we can also use them to put the Holy Spirit in a box. Right In, in this section of Scripture, in this 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the Apostle Paul is reflecting on this specific Corinthian situation and responding to it with examples. Because what's happening is there, there, there are people who are saying, well, the only, like the most important people have these gifts. Right? These are the most important gifts. And if you have other stuff, it might be helpful, but you're not as important to God as, as people who have these gifts. And so Paul's concern isn't necessarily about giving us an exhaustive list of, uh, of spiritual gifts so that we can take a test and find out which gifts are in our top five. But as Paul lists off these nine gifts, here these are representative of the diversive ways that the Spirit uh, is, is present among the Corinthians. Paul, Paul calls this the, the manifestation of the Spirit among them. What Paul wants the Corinthians to realize is that, that God gives multiple and varied gifts to different people. And if, again, if you're looking in your Bible, if you look into the next section in verses 12 and following, you'll see that Paul's going to use this picture of the body of Christ. And he's going to teach the Corinthians that those parts of the bodies that we think less honorable, there's where we see the problem, that we're thinking that certain people are less honorable to others, but those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we should bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts should be treated with greater modesty. 
So, Paul, uh, so part of what Paul is doing here is teaching the Corinthians to stop raising up certain gifts as better, more important, or even more godly than other gifts. And so since this really is an ex- exhaustive list, uh, we're not, today we're not really going to go into these specific gifts and talk about each one of them. If you'd like to know what, uh, what you know, the exhaustive list, at least that, that are mentioned, uh, again, you can look in your Bible, uh, but you can also Google it, right? You can Google spiritual gifts, you can Google definitions, and you can find out uh, what those are. And that, again, that can be helpful to help you kind of understand maybe how am I made, how has the Spirit gifted me? But again, Paul here is responding to a specific situation in a specific place with a number of different examples. But after he gives all those examples, he kind of wraps up this section. And so I want you to take a look at verse 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul says, all these, all these gifts that I've just mentioned, and again, it's not an exhaustive list, but all of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who appoints to each one individually as he wills. Right? What Paul's saying is that the Spirit gives these gifts to different gifts, you know, varied gifts to different people as He wills. Right? The Spirit gives faith to believe in Jesus, and then on top of that, the Spirit gives these gifts to His believers. So the question that I want to focus on today is, what do we do with those gifts that the Spirit has given to us? Well, over over the past few years in our house, we've uh, we, we've started using we, we've been using this this service called Facebook Marketplace. How many of you know what Facebook Marketplace is? A few of you, right? It's it's where you can basically have a garage sale without putting everything in your garage, and you can you can list a bunch of different things for sale. You can list one thing for sale. You can list hundreds of things for sale, right? I know people who it's kind of their job uh, to list things for people and sell things, and and it works well. Lots of times, but other times, right, you can have someone promising that they're going to come pick something up, and so you get it all ready for them, and then three weeks later, it's still sitting in your living room, taking up space, and all you want to do do was get rid of it. But there's an interesting feature that's popped up in Facebook Marketplace over the last couple years. Uh, Did you know that you can exclude certain people from seeing your listings? Right? Like I could, I could list something for sale, and I could hide it from some people so, so that they wouldn't see that that item's for sale. Now, you might be wondering, if you're trying to sell something, why would you want to limit your clientele? Well, say, for example, and again, this is purely an example. I'm not being sarcastic about this. I've not done this. But say, for example, that a couple weeks ago was Christmas, and I, I went to, I celebrated with my parents and my brother's family, and, and as I was opening up a gift, I, I saw what it was and immediately had to put a fake smile on my face and go, oh, gee, this is exactly what I wanted. When in the back of my mind, I'm like, what are they thinking? How many of you have ever felt yourself, found yourself in that situation? Right, look around. Maybe that gift was from you, if someone's raising their hand. No. Uh, but, again, I, I really, I have not done this. But, but then I could get home if I wanted to, and I could take that item, and I could post it for sale on Facebook Marketplace, and I could hide that post from my parents and my brother's family so that they don't know that I'm selling it. And then I could, I could make some nice money off uh, the gift that, uh, that was given to me. But wouldn't that kind of be a slap in in the face to my parents, right? They put thought and energy, and even if it wasn't the thing that I thought was perfect, you know, I I could have told them that. We could have had a conversation about that. But but I wonder, as I was thinking about that, how often do we do that with God, right, who freely gives us these gifts? And then there's so often that we we use those gifts for our own gain, or, or or we hide them 
because we're ashamed of them. Right? And we don't just do that with spiritual gifts, but how often even do we take our, our, our gift of salvation for granted, right? Maybe we, maybe we come to the waters of baptism and then we walk away saying, okay, I've checked off that box. We'll see you when it's time for confirmation. Or, or we come to worship on the weekends and then we check off that box and we go on with our week as though nothing has changed. Or, or how often do we bring our leftovers to the offering vessel instead of giving back to God off the top, trusting that He will take care of our tomorrow, not our bank accounts? Or how often do we take the gifts that, that He has given to us to serve one another and instead bury them or, or use them to serve ourselves instead? Because God has been generous with you. Right? Most importantly, he gave his son Jesus to, to die on the cross for you. And, and Jesus gave up his throne at the right hand of God to become a human, to, to suffer, to die for you, for the forgiveness of your sins so that you would be saved. And then, and then the Spirit gives you faith right? through, the, through the waters of baptism, through the, through the hearing of his word. And the Spirit then gives you the ability to say, Jesus is Lord. Right? God has been generous with you. And so then that brings us back around to the question that we started with at the beginning. It felt like Paul was going off on tangent. What, what do spiritual gifts have to do with being able to speak the words, Jesus is Lord? Well, it's actually not just whether a person can speak those words, right? The, the simple phrase, Jesus is Lord, or whether they speak the words, Jesus is accursed, that Paul's talking about here, right? There, there are some who definitely could control their mouths long enough to speak those three words, to, to say the words, Jesus is Lord. But what about their attitudes? What about their actions, their, their treatment of Jesus' people, the, the ones that Jesus called the least of these, my brothers, the, the hungry, the homeless, the, the, the strangers, the, the thirsty, the, the naked? What about those? Right In all their attitudes and actions, the people around you are saying something. And same is true with you. In, in your attitudes, in your actions, you are saying something. And that might be uh, something maybe Jesus is accursed if, if we're to use the power to run over the top of a weaker coworker or a family member. Or as Paul is encouraging the Corinthians and you as well, it may be that Jesus is Lord. Right? As we use the gifts that God has given us, that the Spirit has given us to, to help and care for the people that Jesus claims as his own the, the least of these, my brothers and sisters. Right? God has called us to, to pay attention, to, to discern the Spirit that is speaking through people, to notice the difference between those who love and obey Jesus and those who, who curse him, whether by their mouths or, or by their attitudes or their actions. Right? How can we not notice the way that they treat the Savior that we love? And also, how can others not notice the way that we treat our Savior? who suffered and died and rose again for you and for, for the whole world. Right? And then He has given us, Jesus has given us His Spirit to help us to be able to not only speak the words Jesus is Lord, but to love and to serve Him by caring for the least of these, my brothers, in all that we do. So this week as you hear God's Word, as you reflect on it, and then as you put it into practice, May your attitudes and your actions constantly proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Amen.